Welcome to another episode of the Listen In Podcast. This is Jake and Sean with the only music podcast by music listeners for music listeners. We are up to episode 90 now. Hard to believe. And you know what I like, Jake? We just say the only music podcast by music listeners for music listeners without any hint of irony now. It's just that's an accepted fact. That's what we are. It just is what it is. Accept it and move on. I challenge anyone to scour the podcast app they use and find another music podcast. You, you couldn't prove it. Buy music lovers for music lovers or whatever listeners, our saying is. Listeners. listeners. Just <laughs> listeners. You don't even have to love it. <laughs> just be a listener. Anyways, we are up to episode 90. That's hard to believe. That's pretty good. It's actually worthy of a celebration, but since it's episode 90, we're talking music and history from 1990. So here's some albums that came out in 1990. You ready for this? Yeah, laid on me. Fear of a Black Planet by Public Enemy. Rutten, get this album title, Sean. Okay. Just make sure you heard it right, because it's a pun and it might go over your head. Rust in Peace by Megadeth. I don't get it. Rust in Peace. Oh, 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 okay. Like yep. Rest. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Violator by Depeche Mode. Goo by Sonic Youth. A band that I've never fully understood. <laughs> um, no, me neither. Bossa Nova by Pixies. <laughs> You got uh, Ritual de lo Habitual by Jane's Addiction. Yeah. Let me see if I can find like two more. Um, Danzig came out with an album. And Ice Cube came out with America's Most Wanted, America's, styled A-M-E-R-I-K-K-K-A-S. Ah. America's. Okay. So a little bit of a kind of a statement by, by, by Cube. Very nice. So in they terms of... goes by Ice, not ice Cube. Cube? What's the nickname? I don't know, It's kind of like how some people call Game of Thrones Game. <laughs> like my dad, right, or um, <laughs> someone else I know who was like, I call it game. I was so, like, I'm... well, you're in the minority. Yeah, there. That's, you're that's, wrong. That's not right. Um, okay, 1990 in history. We so the 90s. What I'm learning when I did research on boring. Um, everyone was calling it the great decade, the best decade. Like because again, and it comes down to we've said this about a few years already. Nice to live in, boring to read about. Yeah, and, and really the only two big things that came out, Hubble Telescope was launched into space. Now, Sean, pretty great, pretty like, that's you a, know. a step forward. Exactly. And also, East and West Germany reunited after the fall of the Berlin Wall happened. So like, wow. we just are off to a great start here. 90s the one downside yeah. is in 90, technically, is when Iraq invaded Kuwait, which then kicked off the Gulf War in 91. But no. that's, you know... Although, it, what but, are you going to do? But if we're in 1990, as we are on this podcast, yeah. we're still that's still in the future. That's right. That we're not worried. No, no, no. This no. is a new decade. No, 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 no. No. Things are looking up. <laughs> we got George Bush Sr., who's just like a boring but competent yeah. president. And, dude, I can't tell you how much at this point I would take boring and competent. Oh, my God. Yeah. I would even take, like... Not good over what we have. Yeah, I, would, I would take like just a regular bet. Like, <laughs> right. like, dude, I, we talked about this already, but I, I wish we had George W. Bush back. <laughs> yeah, I know. I would rather have two full terms mm-hmm. of George W. Bush mm-hmm. than where we're at now. Than the brink of Armageddon we're on right now. Um, so we're not, you know, we're not a political podcast. We're not nope. a history Stick podcast. Stick to music. We're a music podcast by music listeners for music listeners. It's just rolling off the tongue at this point. And here's what we're talking about today. The main conversation piece is going to be The National and yeah. The National's new album, Sleep Well Beast. So this is their first album since 2013's Trouble Will Find Me, one of our favorite albums of the last decade, Jake. And yeah. The National are one of our favorite bands of this century. They are my favorite active band. Um, For a long time, they were your favorite band, period. Yeah, and, and, and the Beatles have... 
taken that crown. Have eclipsed them. But it's almost not fair to, you know, compare anyone to the Beatles. It's not. They They honestly should be... Just like a separate category. Yeah. Right. So, like, other than the Beatles, yes, the National are my favorite band. So this is a very big deal for me. This is a very big podcast to me. I want to do this album justice because I really, really like it. Well, good Um, luck with that because I have not prepared. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I've been listening a fair amount to this. And as you'll hear in the the post-show, I've been doing some traveling, uh, flying, spending time with family. Not things that are the most conducive to like taking time no. to listen to music. I have tried my best to listen to this as much as I can, so I'm going to try to bring it today. I'm okay. going to try to have okay. thoughts. Um, but I definitely look forward to listening a lot more. But I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a good zone with this. Good, good. And so I'm really liking it. Let's let's dive in with some initial thoughts here. And I actually I I I have some notes that I that I want to go over here just yeah. just to make sure that I I hit everything on this. I'm going to start off by saying, once again, yeah. The National, they just fucking deliver with another great album. How, Jake, is it possible that this band keeps just churning out such high-quality music? I don't know. And, and one thing that, that has been striking me more and more with The National in general is um, they just make music that it, it sounds so much like them and not really like anyone else. It, they don't make music that sounds like it could be made by anyone else. Mm-hmm. I think a big part of that, and maybe we talked about this on a recent podcast because it seems like a thought I maybe am regurgitating, but I think it has something to do with the fact that Matt Berninger doesn't play guitar or doesn't play an instrument in the band. And it's like the, it's almost like the music and his thoughts are they're, they're made separately. And you can tell they come together beautifully. Yeah. But it's like they have this sound, man, where it's just like this this very different thing that they're able to do. And I think it has something to do with the way the music's made. And I yeah. agree with you. They've delivered again with something pretty different. It, it is. It, it, that's the thing. That's what's one of the other points I wanted to bring up is there's no mistaking this for a quote-unquote national album. Because yeah. like you said, it's such a unique sound and it's so unique to them. You can't mistake it. But at that same time... It does feel really different from anything else that they've done for a few different reasons. One, I think they've really dialed back kind of the the rockers on this album, if, if you want to call it that. Um, not that the National really go balls to the wall to no, begin with, no. but you can certainly point to songs that are a little more up-tempo. And on this album, they seem to dial a lot of that back. There's a lot of more ballads on this than albums past. Ballads and just sort of subdued, subtle, like sort of grooves. Almost like mm-hmm. like like the song Sleep Well Beast comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Where it's sort of like there's not a lot in terms of melody. There's not a lot in terms of overwhelming poppiness. And I was going to save this thought for later, but it fits here now. This seems like possibly their least accessible album ever. I, yeah, I would agree. I would say their first album yeah. that is... I don't even think it's arguably their weakest. I just think it is their weakest. There's songs on that that are just more outwardly accessible than a lot on Sleep Well Beast. Even though Sleep Well Beast is of a higher quality. Because they're more recognizably songs. Yes. Like, Sleep Well Beast, the song is the biggest example, but there's moments throughout the album where, like, Walk It Back is kind of like this. Where Walk It Back's a great example, yep. And it's an awesome song, and it's this cool, it's more of a mood piece than anything. I think it's Nobody like, Else Will Be There is the same thing, the album opener. Yeah, right, and it's like you have kind of a vibe that the uh, that the, the musicians of the band, the four members other than Matt Berninger, are laying down, and he isn't forcing a melody where a melody doesn't go in his mind. He's doing mm-hmm. it in this sort of 
he's just going for mood, which is yep. really, really interesting and has made for an interesting first week of listening. Yeah, it has. More challenging, but also potentially more rewarding yeah. come a month from now. Yep. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to digging more into those grooves. Um, no, yeah, and, and I think that's a good transition because one of the things that I've identified in these first few listens or this first week of listening is the fact that it seems like they're giving us an example of the direction that this album could have gone in right, with yeah. songs like Day I Die and The System Only Dreams in Total Darkness. Those you could have slotted into really any other national album, it yeah. feels like, and it would have fit. Those are one direction they could have gone in. But then they were like, no, we're actually going to go in this completely different direction. You're going to get a taste of Old National, and I feel like that's the songs that most people have gravitated towards Absolutely, a, yeah. as this has come out. No surprise that they released those as singles as well. Um, and they're two of my favorite songs on here, but I really, really like and appreciate the completely different direction they went in and kind of that more subdued, dialed-back sound that they have. It's interesting to think about how this album... It, I've been thinking about it as, what does this album actually say now about Trouble Will Find Me? What does this album say about that album and High Violet? Because it shows that, in my mind, they really kind of went for the fences on those albums yeah. with hooks, with production. The more I think about it, Trouble Will Find Me is like a pop record in some ways. Like There's so many Absolutely. catchy, catchy yeah. songs. And like I Need My Girl is on there. That's one of their most, I think, straightforward songs. You have songs like Sea of Love, which is like unlike a sound you'd expect from the National in that... It kind of sounds like a Tom Petty song or something, or like what you know what I mean, like a more straightforward yeah. or Gin Blossoms with the harmonica. True. And and with this album, they've dialed so much of that back. They've taken out a lot of the lush instrumentation. Yeah. And and it's actually interesting how much this album relies on piano. Yeah. Um, sparse production in terms of just like electronic noise, so, sounds. Yeah, just, just just sounds. Exactly. Yeah. In a new way that the National hasn't used Never. before. Um, and just again, like the limited production on this is it really it's striking. I, I've heard people describe this album as having a lot of space in 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 having room to breathe with right. some of these sounds that are just happening that aren't kind of buttoned up like past albums have. And I think that's a really good point and a really good takeaway. And I think that kind of lends itself to that different feeling and is one of the reasons why this album feels so different. But to your point about Trouble will find me. I agree. It it does feel very different from that because yeah. there's no there's no songs like I should live in salt or don't swallow the cat yeah. or demons or anything like that. But at the same time, I feel like they were almost planting the seeds of what yeah. could have ended up with songs like Heaven Faced, Slipped, uh, Humiliation, even I Need My Girl. Is one where it's like that reminds me a lot of Guilty Party. It, yeah, is I need yeah, my girl. it's pretty sparse. So I get you're right. There's the transitional thing here. Um, it feels as though they've worked toward that sound that you're describing with the second list of songs you said. But like Pink Rabbits it, is another one. Well, there's moments on this that remind me of Pink yeah, Rabbits, and yeah. I agree with you. Where I think there are, like any album to another, there's going to be some of that transition that makes it through. I do feel like they are intentionally trying to askew some of the older stuff they've done and, and yep. go for this like new sound. Well, I think they kind of knew, like you know, 
did we really want to just run it back with the same kind of thing that we've always done? Walk it back, walk it back. Yeah. And uh, on, we're probably going to reference this a couple more times is the Celebration Rock podcast that Stephen Hyden did with Jason Green. Goes along with traveling. Haven't listened yet. Uh, okay. It actually, actually kind of made an excuse for it in my head. I was like, I'm going to save this for after the podcast. Okay, that way it doesn't infect good. my well, takes. One of Jason Green's points was, did I really want another national album in the same vein as A Trouble Will Find Me or High Violet? Right. And, he's, and that was one of the reasons why he said he liked this one so much. Yeah. I, I mean, I would always take a new national album. I don't care, you know, what they're doing. I would just want it. But it's an interesting point where there's some people out there who are probably like, you know what? I want a little something different from the national. And I think this delivers on that. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting about them is that it's like you said, they've continued to deliver. They continue to turn out albums that are enjoyable on so many levels. Really, really good. Seem to get just perfect, like critical acclaim across the board. Consensus always is that they're good albums. Um, but yeah, they they have progressed in different ways. Like I, I think High Violet to Trouble Will Find Me to now Sleep Well Beast. All of those albums have a vibe to me that are that mm. is different. I think Sleep Well Beast is the biggest outlier. But I think yeah. what's cool about them is that they definitely find a sound. They explore that for an album, and then I think they they pull out and they try a new thing. Yep. And it's not always if you don't listen to the National a ton, you might you know miss some of those. You might just think it's all the same. You miss yeah. some of the subtlety, and you're like, this is just like a it's, guy with a low voice like mumbling s- over guitars. Sort of boring. Yeah, maybe. a little boring. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing with this album is I think it is definitely one that will reward repeat listen after repeat listen, especially on songs like um, like Sleep Well Beast is an example, or The Dark Side of the Gym, or or uh, what's it, Born I, to I, Beg. I think Born to Beg and Empire Line Empire are Line, great yes. examples. Where I first started out with this album, I was like, ooh, like yeah, these are fine, but you know maybe some of their weakest songs since. Sad songs for dirty lovers, and the more I've listened, I've been like, "Ooh, I don't know. These songs are pretty great, actually." Because what always happens with national albums, and maybe with any album, but I think with the national, it's just a richer experience. Is I always find myself ten, fifteen, twenty listens in, finding these little things where all of a sudden I'm hooked on this song yeah. I never thought I'd yeah. be hooked on. I'm yep. like, "Why am I singing like Empire Line?" Yes, I've st- I'm in that mode right now. I'm yeah. at that like fifteen to twenty listen mark right now. And I'm starting to be like, I want to listen to Born to Beg. I yeah. want to hear this little part of exactly. Born to Beg. Because I get a little line stuck in my yep. head. I get a little part stuck in my head. And they're mu- musically, they're so rich. But then also, Matt has this way of delivering his his verses. Yep. And and just, I mean, I guess you could say choruses. He, there are some songs with choruses. Others are more sort of amorphous in terms of structure. Yep. But the way he delivers it and the way you kind of remember his voice saying things... Yes always sticks with me and I know that that is already happening with this album and I look forward to it, to it continuing to happen. 100%. One of the other things I wanted to bring up with this was the subject matter of of the lyrics. So one of my favorite things to dive into is always yeah. Matt's lyrics on yep. these albums and I think this album does a really good job of striking a balance between that interpersonal emotional subject matter that they normally address on these albums but also layering in a political aspect of it, too, that I don't think is that clear on the first few listens almost at all. Right. So I think songs like Turtleneck, Walk It Back, those are actually outwardly very political songs hmm. that at first you might not say they are. Right. And, and I think what this album also does a good job of is weaving those two things in together. So I think what they're kind of showing here is there's a lot of uncertainty and strife in the world politically um, that we're dealing with, but that is kind of mirrored by 
how we act in our relationships with people. And there's just as much strife and uncertainty in maybe your closest relationships. But the big difference there that I've kind of gleaned from these lyrics, especially on a song like Walk It Back, is those relationships are what really matters and what you need to hold on to. Yeah. Some of the more political stuff, it's there and it's going to affect you, but like focus on some of the things that matter. What I appreciate more than anything about what Matt Berninger has done with this album lyrically is how much he channels the self-doubt and sometimes loathing and resentment. But again, like you mentioned, the need to cling to someone, that whole ugly, beautiful package that is sort of all a part of being in a relationship... He does a really, really good job of, of summing that up. And, and, and there's so many lyrics throughout the album um, that touch on that. And it's just this feeling of... It's interesting because I've heard you describe it and, and evidently other people describe it as an album with a lot of space, room to breathe. I've also seen a lot of people writing about it as a claustrophobic mm. album, as like this insular, mm-hmm. just very like sort of personal and, and like distrustful, paranoid almost yeah. album. Where it's like it, it feels very much like they're even though the music is spacious, the way Matt's going with it lyrically is like there's no room to move. I'm in constant anxiety, yes. and, and again, we talked about this sort of in jest last time, but I think it shows through on this album. His references to like smoking weed and escaping through substances, I think, are more prevalent or at least more substantially placed on this record. I, I completely agree. That is actually one of my favorite things about this record. Is he just outwardly being like, I need to self medicate with this yeah. stuff? There's a line I think it might be on Walk It Back where. He's like, uh, try to save it for a rainy day. It's raining all the time. I'm, yeah. uh, and it's like I'm mixing weed with wine. Yes. Like, that's a great line where it's like, damn, dude. Like, yeah, you're, you're dealing with all this shit and you're just trying to get through it. And yeah. to, your, to your point about, you know, the, the hard parts and ugly parts of a, of a relationship, I don't think I've ever heard an album that discusses those ugly thoughts and those anxieties and those doubts in a in a, in such a real way that this album does. It actually hit so close to home and spoke to those things so hard it like bummed me out on Saturday when I was listening. I was like, "Oh fuck." But then I was like, "You know what? No, this is this is a normal like thing that it, like he is speaking to which Again, with these national albums is one of my favorite things. You can pick these things that you just relate to. And it's so honest, and I think it, it, it's challenging in that way. And I think what you're saying is a really good point, because anything this honest, whether it's art or whether it's just a conversation, which sometimes this album feels like, is it, it, it's challenging. It's difficult to grapple with and really face it in yourself and, and acknowledge that it's part of your experience. One of the lines that sticks with me is um, on Nobody Else Will Be There, I forget the exact line, but basically he's saying like, "Hey, like, can we meet in the hallway yeah. where it's just us?" Yeah. And he's like, "I can't." And there's another part where he's like, "I can't wait to just be home. Yep. Can we talk alone?" Yep. Like, dude, I relate to that so so fucking much because yep. the the idea of like when you're in a relationship with somebody and you ju- you're in public or you're doing something and you're not in a place where you can have an open conversation yep. with one another, you can't be your true selves because you're putting on a face. Yep. You're like entertaining friends or you're entertaining family and and maybe there's something a little wrong and yep. you can't just talk it out yet because yep. you got to get through this fucking party. You got to get yep. through like work or something. It's like can we just like that is one of the truest lyrics I've I, heard I, ever. I, same, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And there's a line on uh, "Day I Die" where it's I, I'm exactly like you, Valentine. Just meet me outside and leave with me, or, yeah. or whatever that is. It's like it's a very similar sentiment where it's like I don't want to be here right now. Like I just want to leave with you. Like get out. 
I totally agree. Do we want to dive into some of our favorite lyrical moments? Because I have some idea. Do we want to jump to that yeah, later? Yeah, let's... let's um, because I have one that, that can... Yeah, let, let's let's dive into favorite moments and, and things like that. Because yeah. w- the, one of the ones that um, hits me in that vein, and I think what, again, Matt does such a good job with on this album, is he explores his own darker side a lot on this record. He doesn't let himself get away with anything in his exploration of what's ugly and what's difficult about relationships. I think one of the best ones is the very beginning of Day I Die, when he's saying, like, I don't need you, I don't need you. And the whole thing about young mothers love me, even ghosts of girlfriends call from Cleveland, they'll meet me anytime, anywhere. That is that ugly part of your brain where you're like, hey, like, you know what, maybe I don't need you so bad. Yeah. Maybe I just could go, like, find someone else. And, yeah. like, and that, again, it, it's that whole idea of, like, this is hard right now, so I'd rather just go, like, fuck around with someone else yep. for a while. And I think there is the underlying understanding there with Matt that's like, you know that's not what you want to do. Exactly. Yeah, I I love that line too. Honestly, for favorite lyrics and moments, I could pick out each verse and piece of Day I Die as something where I'm like, yes, I am all about that. Uh, One of the the parts that I love of Day I Die is not only the drumming on it, because I think the drumming is, uh, on this whole album, is just fantastic. Um. Brian, I think. Yeah, yeah, Devin Brian. Dorf yeah, is the drummer's drummer. Oh my god! Like, yeah. like people used to say, Patton Oswalt was a comics comic. This dude is clearly a drum nerd and just loves finding little polyrhythms and weird ways to play around a, a yeah. song. And it's, I'm not someone who always picks up on instrumentation or drumming in particular. This is like front and center every single song. Where I'm like, holy shit. Whatever that you, whatever you're doing is awesome. Day I Die in particular is a song that I think the drumming on it is great. One of my favorite lyrical parts of it is I think it's it's a little bit later in the song where Matt's singing, "Let's get high enough to see our problems. Let's get high enough to see our father's houses." Mm-hmm. Now I don't know what "Let's get high enough to see our father's houses" really even means. I just like that that imagery and that line. And that goes along with the whole thing about what's great about his lyrics, which is that I don't know what it means specifically, but I think I know what it means. And that's really what matters with right. his lyrics, is right. they're, they're usually just specific enough that it's like, I kind of get that. Or or I get it in my own way, yeah, and right. that's all that really matters. And yeah. again, with this album, there's lyrics like that where I'm having that experience more than I ever have, even with their yep. music. Yeah. Because I think, I, and I've made no small secret, I've made no secret of the fact that I'm generally a melody and vibe person. Yep. Ahead of lyrics, yep. I've actually tried to make more of an attempt with this album to really focus in. It's still happening where I just will go through a song and be like, okay, I'm like getting more of the vibe of this than anything. But I've been yeah. trying my best to focus more on lyrics, and I, I think they're, it's really rewarded. Oh, 100%. 100%. And going back to Nobody Else Will Be There, I, I have a moment on there that I love. Uh, it's a little bit later on in the track where you're like, okay, I get what this track is doing. It's like this soft kind of ease you into the album thing and then there's this part where Matt sings hey baby yes where were you back then and it takes on this like a little bit more intensity yeah even though it's still very very soft and I love that slight like change in the in the sound of that song I agree I, th- I mean I think that song is like in the top half of songs I, for me I, on the album I, agree, I yeah. think it's really really good and I have this tendency with first songs on albums to either love them or just think they're just an intro. Yep. And with this song, I've kind of loved it since the start. I love, in general, the way the piano sounds on this album. I mean, on this song, but my larger point is, on this album in general, do you know, because I don't, who plays piano in the National? Is it one of the Desners? Or both? Uh, uh, I think either one or both like plays it and, and will sometimes write songs on it. Yeah. 
when it comes to the live show, they always have like a hired gun basically playing. I, I want to say they both are learned enough and, and right. good enough composers. Um, and I always forget who is who and who is like the more accomplished composer. But whoever that one is, I Aaron, think maybe I think the that's fact right. That they're twins doesn't I help. Think, and look, base like they are twins. Twins. Like, they're they yeah, they're look identical so, twins. So similar. I think it is Aaron. I want to say he's probably the one that plays it. You know, and, and or wrote it. I feel like on this album, because the, the, again, we've talked about this before, but the way that they write songs, and, and Matt has explained this on like a lot of podcasts I've listened to or like YouTube videos, is like they'll send him demos, mm-hmm. and out of that stash, he just picks ones he likes yep. and sings over them, and they work it out from there. Matt was feeling piano this time around oh, because yeah. there's a lot of Seen songs where way. piano yep. is front and center, yep. and it's a it's a real point of emphasis. And yep. I guess I had me thinking like, has it always been that way? I don't know that. I mean, it's all, it's in the mix a lot on albums, but is, is there an album that's as piano centric as this one uh, for the national? No, it no, does, I don't think no, so. No, there's always that token song or two, like a "Fake Empire" is that right. classic piano. Right. Pink Rabbits. There's always songs that have that, but yeah. I don't think it's ever been as much as a vocal point as it is in the, on, on, on this, this record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk about "Walk It Back" a little bit. I have, a, I have a, some favorite moments on here. Um, there's a lot of great lyrics on there, but in particular, I wanted to talk about this kind of voice that they insert towards the back half of this song. From what I understand, this is a quote attributed to Carl Rove who the National are not the biggest fans of. Okay. Um, and it, it, the quote, it, it's talking about, it, it says something like, people like you are still living in what we call the reality-based community. And there's this line in particular that says, we're an empire now, and when we act, we create our own reality. And there's a line towards the end of it where it's like, we're history's actors or something like that. And I, I didn't totally understand what this meant, and I've heard it many times now, and I finally looked it up today and had it kind of explained And really what this quote is saying is like America as this entity is so powerful, we can just do things and almost distort reality and history to just achieve our own ends and make people just think something happened that maybe didn't even happen. Not only can we do that, we have many times. We just do. Have and will do. Yeah. So that was a really ominous, scary thought that, you know, you don't normally hear about. In a, in a national song, and that's what I meant when I said earlier how they're juxtaposing this really personal, emotional stuff with the more political, and this is this is an example of that. Walk It Back is one of my favorite moments on the album in general, because I think it's when you really first realize how much they're going for this different sound yeah. now. Because I love the way Matt delivers the vocals on this song. Like It, I, it was when I first sort of realized, like, oh... The mood thing I was speaking about yeah. earlier, this is what kicks that off. Yep. Where he's just doing the walk it back, walk it. It's like all yep. breath and yeah, attitude. Yeah. That's, I mean, I know that he's done stuff like that before. I don't know that it's ever been as distilled mm-hmm. as it is here. Mm-hmm. I feel like he is more willing to go for a vocal sound that is minimal, honestly, without melody in some ways, and just like breathy yeah. and intimate. And and uh, this song, it always every time I get to it, I'm really excited, even if it's not like. A favorite song because it, it like there again right. it's, it's interesting and I always like listening to it but it's one of those moments that's less a song than it is I, sort it, of an, a, it's I a recording am, I am with you too where as a there's a lot of moments I love on this album or, or on this song in particular the I'm mixing weed with wine yeah. or the Carl Rove thing there's this really nice guitar that's happening underneath yes. that too yeah. which is really pretty 
Um, just such a vibe piece. So big time. Yeah. Big time. And there's this line about like nothing I do changes anything. Yes. Like it, there's some relatable lyrics on that song, and I agree. I think it works almost more as moments than yeah. it does as a complete song. It, in fact, the lyric, forget it, nothing I change changes anything, I won't let in, I won't let it ruin my head. Yeah. I think it's hair, I've seen it as hair. I've seen it I've seen it just now as head. Okay, I, I like it better as head. I've always heard it as head. Okay, I looked it up and I, it said hair, I was like, are you, what? No. According to the Google lyrics I'm looking okay, at now, okay. it's head. I, li- I like that better. The, again, the, I relate to that... On every level, yeah. Just the idea that really, I just I, like life is a ch- the challenge of life for me is not letting shit get in my head and ruin my day. And yep. I feel like Matt Berninger is definitely a dude who like deals with that at all times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the next track on here, "System Only Dreams in Total Darkness." We've talked about this before. I love this song. It's very catchy. You it, could insert this into any other national album. This guitar solo, though, I keep coming back to and just loving. Yeah, like this is climbing the ranks. And it's up there for me with like strangest thing and thinking of a place as best guitar solos of the year. I didn't think so at first. I was like, oh, it's a nice little solo. The more I listen to this, the more I think it's fucking genius, actually. It's really cool um, what he's doing on it. And I, I, I think that it goes in with the theme of the national and members of the band just doing things, it seems like, the way they want to and maybe worrying less about, like, oh, we could... We maybe should get rid of the solo. Maybe Matt should do something a little more melodic here. Maybe mm-hmm. we should produce this more. And just doing things the way they kind of see fit. Yep. And leaving the solo in on this song is, I think, a great example of that. It, 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 I agree. It's it's very well played. And it's I, I like... We've talked about this before, but I like solos that are more emotive, less polished, and I think that this is a great example where it's kind of dirty. There's a like the, you know the it's not all perfectly written, yep, and uh, and it, it just like follows the chord progression really really nicely, and it it, it progresses nicely throughout yeah, it the does. solo. It, yeah, it really really does to the end where he's way up higher. Yeah, yeah. awesome. It, it's really, really I, cool. I love it. I love it. I don't get sick of that. I've listened to that song like forty times now since the single came out, and it's it does not get old. There, there's moments throughout the whole thing that I th- I think it's one it's probably th- one of the most catchy songs on the album. Yes, yeah. Probably after Day I Die, I think it's it's yeah. like just under that in terms of catchiness. But there's all those moments where right after the solo, you basically hear these little like boops, like it's yeah. like these kind of, this more subdued sort of sound. They pull some of the instruments out, and it's just Matt singing over this like kind of these ringing, almost bell sounding things. Yep. that's a moment for me every time. And the I. I like that he says, I think it's, I cannot explain it. Uh, I don't think he says can't. Yeah. I think he says cannot. Like, I'm listening, <laughs> he kind of sneaks in the full word. Yeah. And, uh, I, yeah, dude, what a, it's such a fucking good great, song. Great, great song. One of my other favorites on this album, Jake, is uh, I'll Still Destroy You. I, I this, wanted, this has got to be one of the one of their best songs ever, I, I think. Wa- I wanted to talk about I'll Still Destroy You. Um, I... <laughs> It maybe can't be my favorite because of just how good the system only dreams in total right. darkness and day I die right, are. Right. I think it's my favorite though. I think this is my favorite song on the record, probably. Even yeah. though I, I, I don't know. It might not be as strong technically a song as those other two, or at least not as tight. I, it just is the one I'm always looking forward to Me every too. time I listen. Uh, and I've just gone and listened to this song specifically outside of the context of the album many times now. There's so many great moments on here. A couple of the lyrics that I love. There's a line in here that goes, I'm just trying to stay in touch with anything I'm still in touch with. Yeah. I mean, you and I both know, look, we haven't necessarily talked about it on the podcast, but just how we look at things and how we yeah. kind of deal with things, that is a line that resonates with us where it's just like, I just want something to be able to 
like feel just, <laughs> you know just like, give me something to focus on and yeah. i hope i can relate relate yeah. to it in some and, way and then later on in the song um when it goes put your head against the wall i swear you got a little bit taller since i saw you i'll still destroy you yeah that that to me it works on a few different levels too this could be about somebody you know in your life in your past who you know you just maybe shouldn't be around but it also works kind of looking forward because this lyric is specifically about Matt's kid where it's like I'm away on tour for a long time you look a little bit taller all this like my own shit that I'm dealing with is going to end up being passed on to you and destroying you in some way really really sad line it's really sad and it's very true and it's it's it this song more than any captures all these sort of emotions tied in with family like I love the line this one's like your mother's arms when she was young and sunburned in the 80s it lasts forever like dude that is crushing and so the the kind of little story or vignette with this is I was listening to it god it was yesterday it feels like so long ago yeah. but yesterday morning when I was flying back and I was in the airport and I was with Mary Kate and I was with my grandmother who flew with us and she's 88 now yeah. and she has a bad knee so she, we have to push her around in a wheelchair in the airport and I was listening to this song and I was like this song is all about like just family mm. and how we all affect one another and what we mean to one another and how we all just kind of crush each other no mm-hmm. matter what and I, it just dude hit me so hard the, the, just the yeah. meaning of that and thinking about like look where I am now like all of a sudden I'm at least in theory a fucking adult who right. has responsibilities and like these like now I have either a relationship of my own and I'm here visiting family and yep. like we've all hurt each other in myriad ways yep. but we all try our best yep. to have fun and like be good to each other. I feel like that's what this song's about, it, dude. dude. It, 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 it kills it me. It absolutely is, and I, I think Matt talked about this on that NPR podcast where he was talking about how this song's about you know ways that you self-medicate or or just get through to deal with all this different stuff and in that line about this one's like this or or that one's like this is about these little different things that you do maybe it's prescription medication maybe it's certain like you know strains of weed or alcohol and he's comparing it to all these different things where it's like this one's like your mother's arms this one's like your sister's best friend it's like these comforting things that you think about yeah it's like this is what you're substituting it with now yeah and that's you know that resonates on another level too yeah and like it also in some ways captures for me the amount to which we chase nostalgia Mm, and allow past experiences to paint what we're doing now and hope what we're doing now lives up to them 100% also on top of the fact that I just love the lyrics of this song and they really really hit me in, in a deep emotional way about just the idea of loving family so much that you end up destroying them because mm-hmm. I think that's really true mm-hmm. um, is is just I think that this is one of the strongest songs melodically it has some of my favorite little moments um, in terms of like I love the part when it, he sings it's just the lights coming on and there's I think it's the second time he does that or something there's this high pitched like synth or it's either a synth or it's a high human voice that's yeah. like like just a single sustained high note it reminds me of in Pink Rabbits, there's a part at the end of Pink Rabbits where there's this high sort of synth sound. And it's subtle. It's just part of the mix, but yep. it really kills me because it's the way he sings it and that comes in over the top and it harmonizes with it. Yeah. Dude, I, everything about this song This, this song does me. remind me of, uh, of, of Pink Rabbits in a lot of ways. That's a big part of it for yeah, me, of yeah. why. A uh, couple more thoughts here as we get to the end of the album. I love um, this line on, on 
uh, Corinne at the liquor store, where again it kind of picks up in intensity a little bit. And, and Matt singing, it wasn't so bad. I wasn't that sick. Got taken by love. I wasn't that quick. Foregone conclusion. I really, really like that part. That always resonates. And then I also love the line, just fell into rivers with friends on the weekends. That's just yeah. a cool way to be like, I, what I assume to be like, you're just kind of like just getting fucked up maybe and just like doing whatever to kind of escape from from life for a little bit. So much of his lyrical content uh, comes across, at least to me, as, as little vignettes. Mm. It's like a moment he captures yep. and he's like, that's a lyric, that'll yep. be in a song. Yep. And um, those are a lot of times some of my favorite lyrics because it's it's something that you can probably relate to. And I think it, a, a line like that, fell into rivers on the weekends with friends or whatever whatever order that's in, that's something where, in his mind, it's something probably very specific. Yeah. But I hear that and I'm like, I think of a trip I went on with my friends to a river. Yeah, and yeah, like that, yeah. And so now that song's about that to Right, me. right. And, and that's what he's so great at. It's funny because if you really want to, you can pick apart these songs and just be like, wait. Is Matt just saying vague shit that sounds cool? Because if you're being really cynical, cynical. about these lyrics, yeah. you'd be like, this is all bullshit. This doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. But it's the meaning that you attribute to it. And I guess if there's a criticism, you could say, like, he's just stringing words and phrases together that just sound interesting yeah. and cool. But ultimately, I agree that that's too cynical a take yeah, because I, yeah. the way I look at it is I trust him. Like, right, I, I, right, I, I have right. no doubts in my mind that Matt Berninger means what he sort of right. is singing. He seems like someone who actually labors after it a lot, yep. and and maybe even probably worries about it if yep. his lyrics are any indication of where his head's at. Right. I think he worries about this shit a lot, and he wants to try to get it out in a creative way that really matters to him and will matter to fans. Because yes. at this point, there's no denying he's thinking about what fans will think. They've oh, had yeah. they've had a, a large fan base for years now. Right. So that's a big thing. Quick right. moment for me, little musical moment. I like on. Uh, um, what's the the song? Dark Side of the Gym. Yeah, where there's this the the end of the song. They modulate the key. They take it up a step. It's like the the last probably minute of the song. They just take the chord progression and bump it up. And it has this cool way of of I don't think they've done that a lot where they change the entire key of the song. Right. And it just has like it comes across as higher and it feels like the song has this movement to it. Yeah. I, I think that's really cool. That song in general is interesting and I still feel like I look. F it, this is weird. I look forward to it more than I like it yet. I I was in a similar headspace with it. Yeah. My first ten listens to this album, yeah. I have gone on to be like, no, I just love when that song's on now. And I do, I really, I do love the song. It's just this thing where like I was always like, oh, that's a highlight. I, I'm excited to get to that. And when it was there, I was like, wait, yeah, I, I know what you mean. But it's I'm just all in on it now. Yeah, yeah I, I know I, what you I mean. I can see that. Last thought here um, about the the last song, Sleep Well, Bees. Great, great song. I, I love that they just bring back the refrain of I'll still destroy you. I love, yeah. he's just kind of mumbling, I'll still destroy you, sleep well, beast. Like, it, that's really cool. To and me. he I think he says, I'll still destroy you, sleep well, beast, this as well, beast, or something, something like there's that. Some yeah, so there's like another thing in there, yeah, but I, I like that. That song is, is, I think, the that and Walk It Back, especially Sleep Well, Beast, is the epitome of where this album is like just vibe yeah. and just feeling. Yeah. And yep. it just totally skewing any idea of having it be melodic, yep. having it be poppy in any sense. Um, and I really, really like it. And I think even more than Walk It Back, I like it more just sort of living in it and listening to it than I like it as a song. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's really, really cool. So I wanted to ask you, where does this fit in 
with the rest of their discography in terms of how good it is. Did, yeah. Is it too soon to tell? Yeah. Or, or do you have a clear ranking of, of how this would go right now? So the answer is it's definitely too soon to tell, but it, that's no fun. Right. It's more fun to speculate, right. and so we will. And I think... It's. I think it's going to go down, and it already is starting to go down as one of their best albums. Yeah. I, I do. I do get the sense it will never be my favorite national album. Right. But I think it's one that might be more rewarding than some others it, with repeat listens yeah. and with increased context and more time and more time to just sort of live with it and experience it in different places with different people. Yeah. In different situations, it's just one that already is so rewarding lyrically. It's I and I what I love about it is it's an album where I think they've taken a step creatively, which you could argue it didn't seem was possible for right. them because they've already done so much. They've right. already given so much on records. I think it's going to like it, when people are ranking their discography years down the line. It's going to be one that it's it's tough, man, because it's so consistent. I know. Do you have a feeling that this might be regarded more highly than Trouble Will Find Me? I think it will. Down the line? I think it that's will. The sense and, I and here, here's the thing. It's still too early for me to say definitively where it's going to go. I don't think it's going to end up being on the high violator, alligator level. See, but that's tough, though, because some people are not nearly as high on high violator as we are. I know. It's true. It's true. I'm, I'm talking just for me. I think eventually this could maybe be ahead of Trouble Will Find Me. Yeah, um, and I could see in the general national consensus, it maybe could be above Trouble Will Find Me. Some people might even put it ahead of uh, High Violet because, like you said, they're maybe not as high as we are on it. But I think it's probably going to be in that four to five range of of their their best albums, which is still like a great classic album. It says a lot. I mean, I already know. Like for example, in, in terms of just general consensus or what the the public thinks about the ranking of national albums, it just feels like at this point it's written in stone. People are going to say Boxer is the best, yeah. which is kind of annoying to me because it's not my favorite. The thing is, it's I actually think, not close. I, I think that's maybe the broad consensus, yeah. but if you talk to individual people, I think everyone has a different favorite. Is Boxer their Sergeant Pepper then? Yeah. Yes, it is. Boxer is their Sergeant Pepper. Yep. And is this so? Here's a, a comparison. Is this like their white album ish thing, or it's like because it's it's not as sprawling as a big double album, but yeah. like because this is something that's interesting. Is the national even as they've changed their sound, or it, it, change might be too strong a word. Their change their sound is mutated over time a little bit. With each album, there's a new sort of version of their sound. Yeah, they've yet to release an album where they're like screw like like on this album we're throwing everything against the wall, right. seeing what sticks, and like releasing some unwieldy right. hour and a half double album. They right. haven't done that. They seem I think they're to too that. restrained. I think they're they like are. too good at what they do to do that. Almost in a way, if that makes sense. I, I agree with you, and I think that there. I think that the national is, in terms of the people who are creatively in charge, it's a lot of anal retentive, type it's meticulous, a, absolutely meticulous, yeah. detail oriented yep. dudes who are not interested in doing that. Um, so it's it, it is interesting though to think about where this how it'll be written about because it does have a vibe for a band that's really. People will say they're depressing. They're sort of dark. This is a different, different, a whole other level of that. See, I, so I think what the consensus is going to be from just casual national fans, at least what I'm imagining, is I don't know if people are going to like it as much on the first five, ten listens. And my worry is that they maybe you won't stick around. They maybe enough. give up after that, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, when it deserves so much more than that, that's my worry at least. Um, yeah, me too. I think though. This is right up there with all of those other ones. But again, I think that 
there's just enough of the songs that people will be looking forward to interspersed to throughout the listening. album. Yeah. Like if you like Guilty Party, maybe you just stick around for some of the songs in the middle because it's kind of near Empire Line yeah, and, and Born to Bed. Because yeah, it's near absolutely. the end of the album. Yep. Um, and I mean, people are definitely you know that. Um, uh, Day I Die and the System Only Dreams is putting asses in yeah, the seats. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's yeah. just that's yeah. catchy absolutely. national as we've known them. And, and if you like songs like I Need My Girl, Pink Rabbits, some of those more ballady ones, you're going to like I'll Still Destroy You as well. So, yeah, yeah hopefully that keeps people around. Uh, Pitchfork gave us an 8.0. Yeah, um, which means Sean wins. I got that under. On the under bet. Yes. Because we had an over-under for this album. I, so... I was feeling pretty good because I thought I was about to go four or five yeah. on these over-unders for the year. Because uh, And I'd won three in a row. Yeah. Ever since Japan Droids, I'd I know. won all of them. And I was like, oh, everything that's being written about I this know. national album, everything I think about it so far, I'm like, this is going to get a best new music easy. Because I think we set the over-under at 8.2. 8.2. I was like, that's going to be a big... Like, they're not going to give this lower than an 8.3. And they drop it in with an 8.0. See, I'm, I would usually be upset about that. I'm not at this no, it point. Matter. Because it, A, it doesn't matter. But I think Pitchfork is like, if you're not in on the national yet, like, you just aren't going to like it. And, and I think part of their reasoning with Best New Musics is like, check out this sort of new thing that you might like. But I don't understand. I guess their logic in the way they're doing it is sort of flawed then. Because it just feels like, again... Now they're just sort of arbitrarily not awarding best new musics to these sort of tentpole yep. bands of indie rock because yep. um, you know in 2013 Trouble Will Find Me, uh, which is you know again it's no more surprising from the national if you liked High Violet if you liked Boxer if you liked Alligator you're gonna like this the, you, you could argue that should have been like just an eight point yep. zero absolutely and they yep. gave that a best it's new all, music it's all politics from Pitchfork they can fuck off this it, also, album, it, also, it also doesn't matter it doesn't matter and and this album is great. I love it. It is going to be right up there for album of the year candidate. Yeah. Um, too too soon to tell on that, obviously, but I I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my overall takeaway is that I'm I'm just really enjoying spending time with this album, and it's just always nice to have the national back mm-hmm. in any context. Mm-hmm. And it's I, I'm always very interested in what they're going to be doing, how they're going to go about it, and uh, yeah, I think like you said at the beginning, it, they definitely delivered again. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to, to spending more time with this record for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about a few other albums we had that came out this last week, Jake. Uh, the first one we had always come out with their follow-up uh, to their self-titled debut, uh, Anti-Socialites. Yeah, so uh, I don't have a ton of context with always. I've listened to that first album a couple times. I, I think it, what they're doing is really cool. Um I've been more focused on the national mm. and more focused on um, really diving into that album. But I will say that the few listens I've had to Antisocialite so far, I think it's really cool. And like I, I just really appreciate the the poppiness that Always is able to deliver. Um, don't have many detailed thoughts on it yet. Yeah, I don't either. I, I just wanted to say it's an enjoyable album. If you enjoy kind of that dream pop vibe, mm-hmm. I think you're going to like this album. Uh, in Undertow is a great song. Dreams Tonight, Not My Baby. Yeah. All really good songs. Um, in Undertow, on like my third listen, I was just like, yep, that's being <laughs> added to my best songs of the year playlist yep. immediately. Yeah, I, I listened to that single a lot before this album came out, uh, and, and it's really, really enjoyable. I do think that first album might be a little bit better pound for pound than this. This uh, Anti-Socialites has a few songs that blur together towards the mid to back half that I think um, you know maybe that just takes some more listens from me overall though I think this is a very enjoyable release 
Sean, speaking of enjoyable releases uh, and catchy albums yeah. that, uh, I don't know if came as a surprise is, is a great way to put it, but kind of like snuck in there and was like, oh, this is here. The new Small Circle album, Cyclical. Uh, yeah, this this comes from big friend of the pod, Cam Boucher uh, of Sorority Noise fame. He's been a guest on the podcast before. This big is friend of the pod. his new uh, I guess is side project not the right term? Should we not use that? Do people is that a pejorative term? I mean, I think it's te- it maybe technically right, but it's just another project. True. It's it's him and Adam and Charlie of Sorority Noise, and then I think it's Marissa mm. is one of the two singers in the band. Um, I've listened a few times to this, and I, I'm I really am liking a lot of it. I've listened to this, I think like ten times now. Really? I fucking love this album. It's really I'm good. Right? All in on this album. I, this, this, like you said, like maybe you know it did, did kind of sneak up on us. I think flew under the radars. Well, because it term. came out in the same month range as uh, the National and uh, War the War on Drugs, Drugs which yeah. are two huge ones for us. Yeah, exactly. So I've really, really been liking this this album. Um, there's a few songs on here that. I think are some of the coolest songs that Cam has written. Yeah, the song Point Breeze, I think I noticed on one of my first few listens, it's the, it's a song that he had on that Hell is Warm tape. Yeah. Um, they changed the lyrics, but it was the same melody, which is really cool to hear because I remember when he came on the podcast, I remember him saying, like, yeah, I don't think my bandmates have listened to this at all. He's, right. like, he's like, but if they were interested, I'd turn one or a few of them into yeah. songs for a new record. Yeah. And I assume that's what they've done. It's like it, that was one of the little vignettes of songs that he pulled from there. Yeah, it, that's it, one, it that's seems that way. And that's that a favorite it, for me. That's a highlight on there for me. I also love Mornings. Yeah, um, yeah the guitars on that are really cool. And, and what is that the one where it's like, I spend my mornings all alone, like something like that? I think yeah, so. I think that's, yeah. I also love Futile. Um Overall, like this, this is very enjoyable. Just twenty-four minutes long. I would compare this. I think I texted you the day it came out. I was like, "Hey, I'm getting a Death Cab for Cutie vibe totally, from this." Totally, and that is certainly what I have felt as I've continued to listen. Um, it's less of that that kind of pop punk sound that Sorority Noise might bring, and is more of like just an indie rock sound uh, yeah, from it, from this album. It's way less aggressive. Um, there's a little bit. In one song, I forget. I'm forgetting which one of background screaming. Mm. But again, it, it, like you said, it is more on the catchy side of just indie rock. I, yeah. I wouldn't even call this emo or punk at all. No, no, which I, is I really wouldn't. cool. I think it's interesting that I like that Cam is willing to write songs. Excuse me for um, a different sound entirely yeah. and sort of not be so tied to I genre agree. or conventions like that. So yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying I, this. So and far. I'm excited to see what this means for him in terms of what else Small Circle does, yeah. and in terms of maybe how this influences future Sorority Noise albums or projects as well. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely. Because I mean, even Sorority Noise's sound has mutated through time. It's grown. Because yep, if, absolutely. If you listen to their first record. It was much more minimal, definitely more punk than mm-hmm. this Small Circle album, but I would say lo-fi on a degree that this sort of is. You know, not as heavily produced right, as right. something like Joy Departed or You're Not As As You Think, right, um, right, right. which I think have a lot of production value. A lot of planes tonight going by. Uh, my apartment is over a flight path. That's right. People forget that. Um, yeah. So you, Mr. Traveler, should know that. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not blaming you for the planes, and uh, I'm well aware of Manchester's flight path. You know what it is, too, is like these planes are always there. It's just that my air conditioner is now out of this window, yes. so it's a lot more noticeable. Yeah, I've opened it because we're having unseasonable warmth. It's hot. It's, it's a little humid. It's hot. Um, 
one more new sort of album, new to the world, but not new. Neil Young album, Hitchhiker, yeah. came out. This, I think, was originally recorded in 76? 75, 76, something like that. 74, yeah. one of those years. We've been all in on Neil Young lately. Oh, yeah. I will just own it up right from the front and say I've listened to this only once oh, so I've, far. I've only listened once. Okay. I've only listened once. I've only had the chance to listen one time. This got a best new music from Pitchfork, and uh, I... I it seems like it's getting pretty good reviews so far. It is. It, it is really good. I really liked it off my first listen. This is definitely more of just an acoustic release. I guess it was recorded all in one night, basically. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to say is that compared to the Ditch trilogy yeah. of um, uh, On the Beach and um, what is it? Uh, Rust Never, Rust Never Sleeps. Sleeps, Tonight's the Night, right? Tonight's the Night and uh, then, Time Fades Away. Time Fades Away. Yeah. That's the actual okay, trilogy. Okay. Time Fades Away, Tonight's the Night, and um, and On the Beach. Okay. Compared to that, it's it's definitely more acoustic Neil. It actually reminds yeah. me a little bit of what he was doing on After the Gold Rush and stuff like that where it's, it's heavily acoustic. It's less produced than something like Harvest. Right. Um, th- again, first impressions. This era of output from Neil Young is unbelievable. And I think this is his true peak. Is like that 75, oh, yeah. 76 era. Definitely. Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, Harvest. No, 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 no. Give me On the Beach. Give me this. Give me Time Fades Away. Because what's so crazy about this is he puts out On the Beach, right? He also has Tonight's the Night around that same time. He just has these, like, one-off albums or albums worth of songs that he wrote. Like, Time Fades Away is on the same quality of Tonight's the Night or even On the Beach. Yeah. Just they happened to record it as a live album, and that was basically it. On the Beach, just just Neil Young in general talk now, yeah. On the Beach is one of my just favorite albums. Yeah. Now. That album yeah. is so fucking good. And, and, like, again, I think that everybody knows this is Nowhere, Harvest, After the Gold Rush. I think those are all really good. But something like Harvest, like it was just his best-selling album. Mm. It's like, and, and you, there are some songs on there that I think are a little bit of a miss. Like there's that song, "There's a World," yeah. and that song is like he's using an orchestra on it, right. which is like a little much for it. Overpowers Neil Young's voice, which right. I don't think anyone would argue is operatic <laughs> in any sense. No, it's one of the weakest, but with most character <laughs> rock voices ever. Yeah, and so like there's some humorously produced and arranged songs on Harvest, and I think that. By that mid to late 70s ditch trilogy, Neil had totally, um, just totally bought into it. He's like, all right, now the sound is just like aggressive, just distorted guitars yep. and mood and just like, I'm going to own the depression a little bit. And that's what I mean about this. I think the most interesting takeaway from Hitchhiker isn't necessarily the songs maybe, but more of the era of output that this came from and the story behind it and how he recorded it and just like one night and it was just this like peak creative point for him. And the idea that there's still stuff on Earth becoming on Earth yeah, now. From because, this from that gold mine era. Because that's the story of Neil Young from that era. Like on the beach was not released. It was released and then went not, out of print. We couldn't a, get a hold of it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the story of like all those albums. Tonight right. the night tonight's the night it's not, yeah. was put out two years after it was actually recorded. Yep. And like now Hitchhiker is coming out yep. years I later. I think Time Fades Away is a similar story where it's like you couldn't get that either for a while. I don't know, but it's so interesting this era of output. Also, the other day, again, traveling with family, I was put in charge for one day of just the music. Oh, yeah. And so I just played all of On the Beach because yes. I was like, I know that this is a crowd where, like, they're my pe- like my mom and my stepdad, yep. like, they will just listen to Neil Young. They'll be fine with right. that. 
And so, but for some reason, for the first time, the a lyric from the song on the beach really hit me. The the song where he says, "Though my problems are meaningless, that don't make them go away." Yeah, I was like, yeah. Shit, man. Uh, yep. Like I really relate to that. Yep. And I think the national does too. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. That's like that's the thesis statement for this yep. national album. It's yeah. like, well, we don't really have real problems. <laughs> but and, and you know, doesn't fix my head. Going back quickly to uh, to the national and that celebration rock podcast, Jason Green and in Hyden are talking about how the nationals sing about very you know middle class upper middle class problems about like being at dinner parties you don't want to be at anymore yeah. and things like that and like sneaking weed after your kids go to sleep and stuff like that and it's like yeah you're right it's like maybe not the most no you know life-changing stuff but i think to a certain audience it resonates big time right and like we're right in that wheelhouse <laughs> yeah. we're right in, in that group of people who are like yeah i get that yeah i get like i don't have real problems my life's actually easy right but I have a, the, uh, as we've called it before, autoimmune disease of the brain, <laughs> yes. where my brain is just attacking non-pathogens <laughs> yep, <exactly. laughs> and making problems where there are none. I basically have allergies of the brain. <laughs> yeah, we are in lockstep there. So we wanted to do a show-and-tell segment. Yeah, show-and-tell preview, yeah. Or not preview, Sean, because here's what's happening. We'll see. We will see. So Sean, Mary Kate, and I are going to New York City this weekend. Big Apple, <laughs> we, the locals call it. We've planned a trip because we are, in theory, going to see Paul McCartney at Madison Square Garden. Madison now I, Square. I say in theory because I purchased these tickets um, as a less expensive alternative to the three to four hundred dollar per ticket price that was right. being listed on, you know, uh, real ticket <laughs> websites. God. We used the, t- the ticket service Online City Tickets, which honestly, now that I'm listening to it, sounds it sounds terrible. like a phishing scam. It does. It sounds <laughs> fake. It sounds fake. Um, basically, I don't know if we've told this story on the podcast, but I bought these tickets. They weren't cheap. They're like ninety bucks each, yeah. or something like that, or maybe probably more. Two hundred each, something crazy. Yeah, yeah. like a lot, like one hundred and fifty or something. It was, it's more than our hotel cost. Our hotel costs like ninety a person, right? The tickets cost like a buck thirty, a buck forty a person. Because we're going to see Paul McCartney in Madison Square yeah. Garden. It's fucking expensive. Yeah. And so I buy these tickets. I'm like, okay, good. And we have them. They're there. I printed them right, out. Right, right. The problem is, is I did some research after on this online city tickets company. And they are, have, they have, I should say, a spotty history. With Nefarious. The, with the Better Business Bureau. <laughs> God damn it. It seems that they have a history of selling tickets that have been already sold to people in the past, like happened to you at Newport yeah. last year. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a real risk that we will just spend a night in the city for no reason. Could be worse ways to spend a night, I guess. Uh, yeah, maybe. But I don't love the prospect of driving three hours, taking probably an hour train ride in, and then Not getting going. told, oh, wait, no, you can't get in. So what we're going to have to do is, I think, go as early as possible and just hope the tickets work. And it's, yeah. what really sucks about this is that we bought them, it went through, and then we were like, oh, wait, like like this is in the secondhand market, and like hopefully it's r- real because we're traveling for this show. Yeah. We're not just going to fucking Boston no. or Portsmouth. no. This is like a five-hour trip. Yeah, this is an involved trip. Like, we took time off and everything. Yeah. So, so yeah, hopefully if, it works out. If it goes down that we don't get to see Paul McCartney in New York City, I'll own up to the fact that it's probably my bad for finding these tickets. 
it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Or it won't. Or what we could do, oh, I'm sure there's going to be somebody scalping outside where we could yeah. maybe pay through the ass for tickets while we're there. Like we already did. Like we already did. But when I emailed this company twice and we had kind of an email thread with them because I was worried right. a few months ago, they did guarantee our money will be refunded if these so aren't that, real yeah. tickets. So we can put that towards scalped tickets right. potentially so they're, we'll see it seems like they're trying to put a better face yeah, on their company I, look i i honestly think this is going to be okay all we need to do is get there early enough do, what time does the show start i don't remember okay well probably seven eight. seven or eight we're going to get there as soon as doors open we're going to get our tickets scanned and we're going to get in we're going to be fine and that's it and again my mind is just like you bought these jake so for that reason it won't be fine, and you are going to be the scapegoat. No, no, for no one's gonna, no one's gonna think that way or do that to you, except for me and Mary Kate. Yeah, right. My best friend <laughs> and my girlfriend, just on a trip, really hoping the most important, like non-family members in your life. Just hoping it, that, like, like, I really hope Jake came through for us here, and and I think we're just not gonna go. We'll see. We're gonna be fine. All right, we're gonna be so fine. listeners, uh, say a prayer, send positive <laughs> thought, whatever your fucking thing is. Whatever it is, I don't believe in it, but do it for us. <laughs> do it for us. Please, please. Because we got to see Paul. We got to see him. We got to see him. And we got to talk about it uh, next week. Yeah. because And I'm hopeful that when we see Paul, I'm going to think positive now, we'll have a lot to talk about. Because I've heard he's one of the best live I, performers yeah, of all time. I agree. I think we will have a lot to talk about. We will be inside Madison Square. We're going to see him. And that's that. Big time fingers crossed. New segment called Fingers Crossed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you next week, listeners. Thanks, everybody. All right, we're on. How's that? Okay, we're recording. Very nice. We're recording. Um, we, I'm excited about this pre-show. I think we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I want to. You wanna, go first. Okay, yeah. I'll go first. Okay, because I got to pull up 1990 in music. Yes, yes. Okay, so NFL is back, and yeah. if anyone has heard me talk about the NFL, you know I'm down on it. It's not as fun to watch. It's not as interesting. I'm not as into it. And one of the reasons for that is I don't have a ton of stake in what's happening. Right. Like, I don't care as much about the Pats. We've had untold success. And it's not as interesting to watch football. Now, the product's not as good. So, I was like, you know what? I kind of miss being into football. Yeah. And the way to get back into it, Jake, is gambling yep. on football. Now, if you recall, two years ago, I, did, I, I got into online sports gambling. Did you... Get rid of that last year? You didn't do that last year? I didn't do any year? of that last year. Really? Didn't do any of I it last year. I forgot about that. Didn't do it at all last year. Two years ago, I was big into online sports betting. Yeah. Now, I was using a service um, that... It was a good service. It worked well, but they made it kind of hard to withdraw your winnings. So, basically what you had to do was like verify your identity and then have them like wire you the money, but you also have to... like. They take a fee for sending it to you. It's, it's, a, it's a huge pain in the ass and to it's, do. And it's not, not sketchy. No, it's very sketchy. So I was like, ah, I don't love this. And I actually was up like 200 bucks probably. 
And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to put action on like every single game that's happening right now. Like the World Series was happening. Yeah. Basketball was just starting. Football was still going on. So I was just betting like left and right just for the fun of betting. Ended up losing all my money. There you go. So I was like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm not doing it anymore unless I can find one that makes it easy to withdraw money. Flash forward. It's 2017. I'm missing being into football. And I was like, you know what? You know what's going to get me more into it and paying attention? Betting. So I was like, all right, I'm going to find a better service, and I'm going to find a way to easily get my winnings out and to you know make that not as sketchy. So I did a little research. I found an online sports book called Bovada. Bovada? You didn't um, use my bookie? No, no. Cousin Sal uses Bovada. Okay. okay. That's like his go-to. So let me ask you this, because this is not clear to me. Is gambling just legal now? It, it, it like... Is yeah yeah because it's it like is because the weird thing is that it's not it's but it but it's, it seems to be basically legal it's advertised f- just without it, it like is in the, the it there's kind of a loophole where it's like these online sports books can't be in the U S they have to be in like based in another country or offshore or something they can't be like a U S entity so as long as you're using that you're technically gambling overseas yes. That is yeah. a, that's a huge loophole. Yeah. So it is our founding fathers, Sean. And I, I, when I was doing this research, they're like, it's one hundred percent legal for U.S. citizens to use this unless you On live Bovada FAQ. unless you live in like New York or like Washington D.C. or something crazy like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So it is it is completely legal to do. Um, so I was like, okay, well, how do I get my money out, and how do I make sure this is a, a better process? Enter stage left, Jake. Bitcoin. Ah. So you know you can use that at Pizza Nine One One. You can. Here big show. Big friend of the pod. Um, so they they recommended like Bitcoin is the easiest way to withdraw your money. Yep. So I looked into all the Bitcoin stuff. I ended up signing up for a Bitcoin wallet. I ended up buying Bitcoin <laughs> through like a Bitcoin exchange. Wow. I transferred all of that into my online sports gambling account. I've already lost three bets. I'm 0 for 3. Oh, sorry. One of them was a push. I pushed the Chargers-Broncos late Monday night game. So you get your money back for that, right? N- uh, yes. Didn't win anything. Didn't lose anything. Um, so now I'm in the process of looking at some teasers, some parlays for this end up coming, for this uh, upcoming football weekend. There's a lot of heavy favorites. Like Pats are favored big. Raiders are favored Raiders by like 13 are favored and big. a half. Ravens are favored big. Like there's a lot of heavy favorites that you can get some nice teasers going with. Yep. I'm thinking like a five-team parlay with some of these favorites. Just money line parlay. So I got to... Just the idea. The thing is the more teams you add, the harder it I know, is to hit. I know, but the odds go up, Jake. It's uh, well, a better uh, chance at your... your your returns. Yeah, the the way I thought for a parlay to hit, don't, don't all five need to mm-hmm, hit? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the winnings, the potential winnings go up. Yes. The, the chances go down. Yes, and that's why the winnings go up. Right. So okay. I was listening. The other reason why is I was like, you know what? I really like Cousin Sal and his gambling advice. They're some of my favorite episodes. I'm going to listen to his gambling podcast, and he came out with an episode today. <laughs> The people he does the podcast with are called the Degenerate Trifecta. Yes. Oh, there goes Shock Jock Jock. And uh, on his motorbike. <laughs> there, there's this one guy on there. His name's like Parlay Mike or something. <laughs> it's not Mike, but it's something like that. Degenerates are so funny. <laughs> it's, dude. His nickname is Parlay, whatever his name is. And 
Sal's like, all right, give me your best bet of the week. And he's like, all right, I got an 18 parlay for you. He's like, and then he went through all the things. He's like, you got your guarantees. You got your Ravens, your Panthers, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, now you're adding in a little bit of value here. Now you're adding in your New York Giants of the world. He's like, this pays out 16 to 1. I was like, I'm not doing that because that seems stupid. You're but bound to lose that. I'm thinking of like a five-team parlay here. Maybe also doing a teaser with like the Pats, Ravens, somebody else. Throw them in there. That, I, I commend you for giving it a shot. Yeah. I have, I've sort of blocked myself off from gambling because I fear the potential ramifications. The extent I go to gambling is like the Pick'em League we're in or yeah. fantasy football. Yeah. Which is, it is gambling, but it's just one-time fee gambling. Right, right, right. And you're right. like, well, that money I may as well have lost. Right, true. But, and I, it's been up forever since I've won a fantasy league because I don't pay enough attention. Yeah. So I basically just throw money away every single year. The way I look at it is you're basically spending money to have fun. Like, you're... you're yeah. Don't look at it as like, oh, I'm trying to like... Actually win. Actually win. It's more of like, this is going to enhance your enjoyment and interest in the games, which is really my, that was my first goal. That's why I did this, because I was watching the games on Sunday, and I was like, I got, I got, I don't care about this garbage Seahawks-Packers game. And and the I actually didn't get to watch any football this weekend because I was traveling, which we'll get to. Right. But I heard it was it was poor quality shit. It wasn't good this week. So I I signed up for a free trial of Sling TV so I could get Red Ooh, Zone. Yeah, and uh, Red Zone is still really good. Do you get Scott Hansen Red Zone? Yes, that's what I'm used yes. to. Yes, Scott Hansen Red Zone. It's the still, way he talks is awesome. It's great. He's very, he enunciates. Sister Mary Whalen, big big oh, show, yeah. big friend of the pod. She would love Scott Hansen. Yeah, because he really enunciates everything. And now we'll go to the quad box <laughs> and take a look at the Patriots who are playing the Ravens. At, uh, what would it be? like? What's Qualcomm the... Stadium. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's but... not where they're playing. At Gillette Stadium. we got Tom Brady knocking on the door. He's like, every... every We're single... live to Gillette. Yeah. Yeah. We're live to Gillette Stadium where Tom Brady just threw his third touchdown pass of the day. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. Red Zone still is good. The Once you hit that 4 o'clock window, though, where there's only, like, three games going on... Yeah. And it's what you would assume is a great game, Seahawks-Packers, really boring. Yeah. Really, really boring. Also, really quick thought about football. I agree that the quality seems down. I didn't watch that much this week. Um, People are overreacting to the the Patriots' loss, right? They have to be, right? It seems like they are. Like, Bill Simmons was saying this week that he he seems all worried. It's like, how are you still falling into this trap? We've been here so many times. Like, I'm kind of happy they lost that game. I do agree with this point where it's like, eventually this this will happen and they just won't, like, turn it around. I get that. Yeah. But I'm not worried. Like, like they just won a fucking Super Bowl. And the other point is, like, it's not even what if they suck this year? Because if they do, like, oh, well. The thing is, is, like, why not give them the benefit of the doubt one year off winning their second Super Bowl in three? I know. Seriously. Like, come on. Yeah. It's it's fine. I, I think they're going to win this weekend. I do have it in the back of my head, though, that I'm going to put them into a bunch of parlays and teasers and everything. Yeah. And they're going to be the team that fucks me over, though. Yeah, right. So, so yeah, I'm thinking, like, grow to resent them. Maybe do them, put them in a parlay. Maybe don't bet the Pats. And then, yeah, maybe, like, do one set of bets with the Pats, another that doesn't. So if they fuck me, it won't be everything. So. It, hey, betting sounds fun, man. It's really fun. It, it's, it, it's, it's very fun. Invigorating. If you want to. Uh, Put a little action on some games this weekend, Jake. We can go in together. You can. We can go in together. Maybe, I, maybe we talk after this is offline, just, 
and we'll talk about what I'm thinking of for teaser. This is just and dev- maybe we go is, in on the teaser together. This is devil on my shoulder, Sean. <laughs> just spin- and I'm kind of doing it, so like I'm not the only yeah. like piece of shit who's doing just it. Spinning his devil <laughs> tail, like listen, Jake. We're gonna win big this weekend, Jake. This Patriots, this Patriots Saints parlay with uh, with Ravens uh, Browns is a can't lose. That just be a it teaser. Probably isn't a can't lose. You could parlay or tease it. Teasing What's it, the difference again? Teasing is you knock the, the lines is, down, right? It's yeah, you or one way or another. You are basically buying points mm-hmm. against the spread to yeah. bring it down. So like Pats are minus, minus six and a half. Six and a half. They'd be Ravens are like minus nine or something like and that. And so in a six point tease, they'd be you'd bring they'd be, it down. They yeah. only have to win by one. So they just have to win. Basically, seems like a, yeah, an yeah. easy bet. The the other way you could do that though is just do a money line. Uh, Parlay, yeah. where it's like they just have to win anyways. Your odds probably wouldn't be as good, though. Uh, they might not be as good anyways, because you're yeah, the, right. the thing with the tease is you get more security, but your odds are lower, so you don't win as much. But right. you're more likely to win. Okay, so it's kind of like the the smart way to bet, if you will. Right. Um, so I gotta I gotta figure out what all these are gonna look like. This will be interesting to monitor throughout the season in the pre-show because we might get to a point where you <laughs> lost like, everything. I know, I know. I can't let myself get there. I need to just be like, okay, if you lose this much, you're you're done. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. People with really bad gambling addictions, sto- their stories scare me. I know. Like when they're like, I was down, I was twenty two hundred k in like, the hole. Like uh, what's his name, Brad yeah. on Cousin South yeah, podcast with Cousin South. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so, that's that's my that's my week basically. Is I got into sports gambling again. Jake, how about this nice trip you had? Yeah, so I did some traveling this week. With so I flew for the first time in a couple of years, which was. Fun, I guess. I, I'm sort of a. I, there's a novelty to it, and then you're like, oh wait, this sort of sucks. Yeah, there's a novelty to it. Like it's pretty cool for a little while, and then I always am like constantly worried about this plane could crash, mm. and there, this could be involved in some sort of terrorist plot. Even though the odds are astronomically low, right? It doesn't stop me from just worrying right. at all times. Right. So that happens. So basically, um, what I wanted to talk about was the having to wake up really, really early mm. flying. So. I, for context, listeners, Sean and I and other friends uh, went to a wedding for one of our friends uh, over the weekend on Saturday night. I flew out of Manchester um, to eventually end up in Phoenix um, Sunday morning. My flight was at 6, and they tell you to be at the airport two hours early in case anything, you know, just to get through security and everything. Um, and I didn't want to mess around with that because, you know, I don't want to push it and be like, oh, fuck it, I'll just That's go part in. of the fear. That's part yeah. of the, all the anxiety of flying is like, oh, maybe I just missed my fucking flight. Yeah, and if I miss it, then it's like, well, this trip now won't happen. Right. It's my fault. And I may, right. may as well just get up. So long story short, Mary-Kate and I, big friend of the pod, we ended up flying out. We, we woke up at 3.30 after going to bed at 1.30. So, like, your whole process and flight and everything was basically also just Saturday night. Basically the same night as the wedding. Yeah, may as well have been. I was, and so I was, like, really exhausted. And this is, I thought this was funny. This was how I realized how tired I was. When I woke up, to, Mary-Kate and I both set, like, four alarms. Mm. Like, just staggered from one another, so we couldn't miss. Mm-hmm. I, w- <laughs> I woke up to one of Mary Kate's and was looking at her phone, and it said, like, 346. And I was just poking it. <laughs> because, no shit, Sean, I, re- I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I, I, I didn't understand what it was or how it worked. 
I was so fucking tired. I've been there before. I, was I just, know that I feeling. I was just staring yeah. at it, like, grunting. Like, yeah. oh, <laughs> oh, like, literally just taking my fat pointer finger and jamming, like, <laughs> now, poking the when screen. When you're in this mind, mind state, mindset of yeah. trying to just be like what the fuck is this please go off are you telling yourself like oh you need to be up yeah. right now yeah and okay. so here's the thing so my brother Matt big friend of the pod agreed to pick us up at 4am so I look at the and of course we we overslept I was like right. we're gonna we'll wake up at 3.30 wasn't fucking happening no, no, no way I'm gonna just sleep and panic pack later right. we already packed a lot Good. of it okay. but there was some stuff I had to pack still okay. so um I wake up at 3.46, I'm like, oh shit, we, like, we gotta get up. That's so early. And I'm like stumbling around, dude. I like in, in so I uh, it was this frustrating combination of I'm too tired and too half asleep to put together a sentence, yes. let alone get the shit you like need. pack things yes. up and do it yep. in a way that's economical yep. and efficient yep. in any way. And then I look at my phone and my brother had texted me five minutes earlier. He's like, hey man, I don't know if it's early, like, but I'm here already. I'm outside. I was like, okay. I was like, shit, okay, we gotta like get shit packed up. I gotta let yep. him in. I did like the big, sh- big shot to Matt for being early for a 4 a.m. Yeah, pickup. Yeah. Like, that's the I, I'm actually now, really grateful for that. When I was a little bit younger, when I was 18 and I went to California with my parents, it was a similar situation where we had to be at the airport at like 4 a.m. or something yeah. stupid like that. I just didn't sleep the night before. I was like, Great excuse to stay up all night because that's what how you think when you're 18. Yeah, and, and I considered that, but I was like, I know I'll feel a little better if I sleep yeah, some. Any will. amount of sleep you is will. better than none. Yep. But here's the thing, yeah, you know, I can't. I couldn't sleep on the flight. Like right. I even so we flew um, Manchester to Chicago. Chicago, we, we changed planes, then flew from there to St. Louis, which was like an hour flight. Yeah. And then we just stayed on the plane yep. and then we took another 3 hour flight to Phoenix, Ugh. Arizona, which is farther than I thought. Yeah. And that was a fucking long day of flying. Dude. And you know, the flight to Chicago is fool's gold because yeah. you're like, "Whoa, we're already in Chicago? That didn't take that we're halfway long." Halfway there, you're not. You're not you have like everything ahead of you. You do. It's 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 a long way and because in my mind Chicago is the equivalent of Frodo in the ring getting to Rivendell. And you're like, "Oh, we're we're safe. We're good." It's like, "No, no, no." Yeah. You have the rest of the journey to go, the hardest part of the journey to go. And we sure did. And I was really really tired and uh couldn't really sleep. Did read some. Yeah. And I listened to Sleep Well Beast once on the plane. Here's the problem. With listening to an album that you want to really pay attention to yeah. on a plane, planes are fucking loud. They're loud. They're too loud, and it's like you need noise canceling headphones. And I didn't bring my big ones. I yeah. should have. I yeah, just yeah, brought yeah, my re- my regular you really headphones, should've. or else you have to blast it, and even then, you like can't hear it that well. I cranked it, and I could hear it. I could right. hear it fine, but there were just like a lot of the subtler details, which yep. the album is you know full of. <laughs> I was missing some of those on this yep. listen, so I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm not going to listen to that again. Um, and so I just read. I read yeah, 1776, yeah. which was fine. But I, here's a thing, man. Like, with vacation, going places, as fun as it is, I, like, I fell behind on podcasts. and Did that it stress you out? Big time, yeah. dude. I still am behind. Yeah. I just, I'm, yeah. like, behind on pods. And it's like, I, what do I have to do to rejigger my fucking brain chemistry to just not worry so much about that kind of stupid shit? I'll tell you what you do. And this is... This, is sort of my deal, and I've done this a little bit myself with deleting some podcasts, I've, getting away from Instagram, deleting some follows on Twitter. Just do it and don't think about it again. Yeah, right. Just be like, it's gone. It's gone. That doesn't exist. That's not a part of my life. Yeah, delete it. And them. it's fine. Yeah. Just delete it and don't look back. And it seems simple, but once you do it, 
and you actually go through that process, you're like, oh, wait, that doesn't matter. Yeah, right. Like, it might as well not exist in my life because it doesn't need to. A couple more thoughts about planes. One, um, is everyone on a plane before it takes off? Like putting on kind of a face of not worrying Dude, at all about have about your safety. Thousand percent yes. Because everything about the experience. Well, no, not everybody. Not everybody. Because there are people who I think just fly very often. Yeah, they don't care. It's it's second nature to them. They don't think about it. Fine, but it seems like part of the experience with like the the flight attendants and everything and like their sort of chipper tone. Yeah, I feel like it's all there to make you forget this plane could crash. We'll all die and have no control over any of I that. I think that's. Part of it, I also think maybe you more than other people think about that. I feel like you have a little flying anxiety in terms of that, where it's not like, it's not bad, but no, you are just bad. like, this could happen, yeah, where yeah, other yeah. people, I think, don't think about it as much. I don't know how you don't think about it at all. Like how You can't you... not, but I think you maybe focus on it a little bit more than I others. get over it. During the flight, There's there right. always comes a point where I'm just over I'm not like sitting there shaking. Right, or I don't need right. like any kind of, I don't need like an anxiety drug. Right. I don't need to drink. Right. I can just get through it. Okay. But there's always a part of me that's like, this could just go wrong. Like, it, it happens to some people. And, like, it's it's really weird to me that there's this percentage of people that die in plane crashes. And we all just sort of don't think about it. It's yeah. a very small percentage. I, so you, I mean, and won't. again, the, the canned argument to that is, well, look how many people die driving a car. Oh, it's a much higher percentage. But it's also like, well, I'm controlling that fucking car. Exactly. And I'm on the ground. The, the fear isn't really dying. The fear is... You have no control. Mm. You're maybe with loved ones and are going to watch them slowly That's die. Fucked, yeah. You're going to sit and like look them in the eye as you all yeah. like probably cry and scream and, and just crash yep. and eventually die. So you will know it for a few minutes. And that's all it is for me is I'm like, I'll picture how it'll go down and it'll ruin my day. My, my whole thing is is the no control. You, that's you, what I mean. You just have no control that's over the, any of it. Where at least if you're being chased by like a, a serial killer, you can at least run away in theory. Yeah. And it's up to you to do that. Yeah. Planes, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm trusting this jerk-off pilot. Like, wh- okay, what credentials does he have? Yeah, exactly. And, like, and seeing the movie, what was it, Flight with Denzel, where he's, like, blowing mm. rails before he mm-hmm. takes people on a flight? Mm-hmm. Um, that freaks me out a little bit. Here's the other two things. One, it is absolutely staggering. Staggering. How long it takes people to grab one bag and walk. Unbelievable. Unfucking believable I am so with you. I never, I don't. I have never hated people more than just being on a plane, no. like waiting for them to cue themselves out. And, and yeah, it, it's one fucking guy just trying to get his bag out. It's like, do you not realize you have a plane of people it, who want to get out of here that you're holding up? It's unbelievable how long it takes. And everyone is antsy. And what I hate is I wish people would just chill the fuck out and stay seated. I know. Oh, don't get just, me started on that. Just stay seated until it's your <sighs> rose turn. God. You're not getting out any no. faster. People jump up. They try to like they try to like work their way yeah. one row Trying further to position up. themselves. Yeah. Dude, dude, you're not going to cut me. No. I'm going to get my bag and I'm going to fucking right. walk off before you cuz I was right. one row in front of you. Right. How about you just sit and have some fucking respect for the rules? Right. I agree. I agree. And I'm a guy who sits to like the last possible second just to prove a point. Me too. Even though when people are queuing out ahead of me, I'm like, well, I should probably like stand up and get ready. I stay seated another 30 seconds just to be like, no, guys, we don't need to yet. You know where else I always felt there was a pressure with that was is, is church. Yes. Yes. I was going to go there. Yep. With the, the Going up to get the Eucharist. Yep. 
I was always like, no, guys, stay kneeling until it's our rose trying right. to get up. And some kids would be antsy and they'd got, stand early. Now, I, as a kid who went every Sunday, this was something I loved looking out for. I was yeah. like, who are the people who are standing up way too early? There would be people yeah. who would stand up three rows early. No, nope. Three rows ahead of them were still queuing out and they'd be popping up like, oh, oh, our oh, turn. That's we're pe- coming up. That's the people on the plane. Yeah. And it's like someone who gets up. And they're like they're opening the overhead already, oh, even though you're yeah. in like the 16th row. Yep. It's like, dude, you don't do you not even realize it's going to take 35 fucking minutes yep. for these people in front of us to go. Yep. How about you just sit for a sec? Um, I forget what the other thing was. It's it's really just about how long it takes to just do all that shit. Yeah. About like you sit down. There's a whole pro. Like you can't. The, the the time you see on your ticket is is like. It may as well not matter because, like, for example, on the way back, we landed in Baltimore. We got there at, like, 2.15. Our flight was at 3.35. And I was like, okay, we can get something to eat. No, you can't. You can't really. No. You can't really. No. Because Mimi was there, and she's a pre-board. So she, uh, yeah. she's, you know, she's 88. She yeah. just turned 88, and her knee really bothers her. So yeah. in airports, we'll, we put, we, she takes yep. a wheelchair, and we'll pre-board her, which is actually awesome because you get uh, a really good yeah. seat. Um, but the problem with it is, is if you... Your flight leaves at 3.35. You're boarding at 3.05. Yep. And you're like, I'm like, we went up and tried to get Chipotle. And, of Forget course, the line it. was Forget out the it. fucking Forget door. Forget it. The, the you got to go to McDonald's and maybe get French fries. I got, so I went and picked Mimi up, um, a McChicken yep. and a Diet Coke, brought it back to her, went back up. Mary a bounty. Kate, Mary Kate is still, like, 90th in line <laughs> yeah. at Chipotle. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit, we have, like, 15 minutes. Like, are we gonna, <laughs> I thought we planned this out fine. We get to the front of the line at Chipotle, uh, and we're like, can we have the sofritas? Like, we're out. Oh, I'm like, no. Okay. I'm like, all right, can we just get, like, the veggies? Like, that's going to be, like, 10 minutes. Oh, no. And they had the bowl started, and we were like, all right, like, we just can't get this. <laughs> so, like, they already had rice and beans in it, and we're like, so, like we, we're not... <laughs> Like we're leaving. You did not have good luck with no. fucking airport no. eateries. No. I, I mean, we did have good luck in that the flights were all on time. Yeah, yeah. In fact, most of them were early, and they were all smooth flights. Yeah. And nothing really bad happened at all. That's good. Um, That's good. But, dude, like, traveling is... It's, it's a lot of stress. It's no bargain. It's exhausting. Yeah. It almost makes going to the place you're going to not worth it. Almost. On the, on the flip side of that, I did get to see the Grand Canyon, yeah. which... Dude, it's fuck. It's unbelievable. It's a bucket it's like, list thing. It yeah. is like listeners who have not been should just try to go at some point in your life. It's really, really cool, yeah. and it, it like is one of the few things where I got there and it, it it was actually probably more impressive than I thought it would yeah. be. Yeah, it's fucking huge, yeah. dude. It, it's like it's crazy how this is the other thing. It's it's so deep. It's like just cliffs basically. And there's not guardrails everywhere. Right. You can walk within feet. You can sit on the edge of the Grand That's Canyon. That's awesome. And there were people who were doing it. Yeah. And as someone who it has freaked a, li- you out. a little fear of heights, yeah. it was freaking me out a little bit. Yep. But, like, you can sit right on the fucking edge and look over. Yeah. That's really cool. It's crazy. Really cool. I, I would love to go someday. I'm jealous you got to go. How was the rest of the trip? How was Green Day? Oh, okay. That's the other thing. We didn't go. Oh, you didn't? No, because we... So the, actually, the whole reason for going on this trip theoretically was that my mom <laughs> right. bought Green Day tickets <laughs> right. for six people for a group yeah. of them. and so we were going to go to the Grand Canyon in the morning and then drive the fucking six hours to Albuquerque to see Green Day, 
and we got to the Grand Canyon. We were there for like an hour, and my stepdad was like all worried about like, right. he's like we gotta go soon if we're gonna go. And he's right. like, maybe we could just get rid of these tickets and spend the day here. Yeah, and we were like. Yeah, why don't we do yeah, that? Because yeah. like I, I was like, of the people here, I'm by far the biggest Green Day right, fan. Right. I was like, and even I could kind of take this right, show or leave it. Right. Because as we've talked about, there there are things about concerts that just suck. Right. And I was like, we're, so I'm gonna drive six hours to go to a show that it may not be that great. And, like, we'll just have all of the same shitty things about right. every show. Yep. I was like, maybe we just spend the day at the Grand Canyon. This thing that, <laughs> yes. like, I have never had. Yes. Like, I'll get to see Green Day another time. Yep. Maybe we should just spend the day here. And so we did. We ended up spending, like, a lot, a lot of time. That's good. Canyon, That's good. Cool. I'm, glad, I'm glad you ended up We had to do a that. bus tour. Nice. Mary Kate and I got out at each stop. Good. And, like, looked out. Nice. That's what you do. At the great, you just get out and look. Yeah, yeah, And you yeah. just you just join the multitudes of people who are all going, wow. <laughs> wow. That's something. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, my. God. Oh, look, the Colorado. And that's the thing. is like You look down at the Colorado River, and at every stop, they're like, now there's a great view of the Colorado yeah. here. The view is the same everywhere. <laughs> right. The view of right. the Colorado River is the same. It is crazy because it's like 5,000 feet below you, but it doesn't really change. It's not – it's sort of the same – the view, it's, it seems pretty similar everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Well, it sounds like a great trip. I'm glad you got to go. Yeah. Um, Green Day got bumped out of the show and tell segment, which I'm sure they were disappointed by. Yeah, um, I'm gonna crack this window because it's hot. It's it's, it's warm. There's it's not much warm. noise coming from that window. No, so no. I may as well open no. it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, all right, Oof. you ready to dive in? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. All right, let's dive in here. Episode ninety. And of course, as I say, there's like people fucking screaming. Out there. Yeah, it'll be fine. You know what? No, it, it'll be okay. If it'll you have a real okay. problem with it, you can take it up with me. <laughs> I I don't know why I would say something like that. <clears throat> all right, you ready? Yeah. Three, two. One.